There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I am Rosanna Lockwood here on Uncensored Tonight. Political praise for the vigilantes attacking London's car charge cameras. Meanwhile, the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, warns criminals who take advantage of the storm, quote, you loot, we shoot. So is there ever an excuse for the public taking the law into their own hands? The Prince against the press again. Harry faces a backlash for his broadside against the media's coverage of the Afghan war. Have they missed the public mood or has he? Plus, Eminem orders a presidential candidate to stop rapping his songs. Should politicians be allowed to use music by musicians who hate them? Live from the news building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored with Rosanna Lockwood. Good evening. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. With me, Rosanna Lockwood, in the chair for the final time before the return of the big dog on Monday. That's on the auto cue, big dog. Would I say big dog? Yeah, I think I would. He is back. Piers Morgan in this chair from Monday. Look, the question we want to ask tonight is vandalism ever okay if it's for a cause we think is worthy? Spraying paint, smashing windows, these are the types of disruptive acts we've got used to seeing from the likes of Extinction Rebellion and Just Stop Oil. They say it's necessary, all of this, to make the rest of us pay attention to the looming climate catastrophe. Their critics, though, say they're a bunch of loony lefties and the damage they've caused is criminal, outrageous and unacceptable. And it reignites debates about how much protest action we actually allow in our free and fair democracy and where we draw the legislative line. So what about the Blade Runners? The name given to the group of people currently vandalising ULES cameras in London boroughs. Then doing this in protest against the low emission zone put in place by Mayor Sadiq Khan. They're being called vigilantes and rebels by lots of media seemingly more sympathetic to those political aims. And they're not seeing the same outcry to face justice. In fact, Conservative MP Sir Ian Duncan Smith actually said he backs them, saying, quote, I am happy for them to do it because they are facing an imposition that no one wants and they have been lied to about it. The actions you are seeing show how angry people are at what is being imposed on them. Sadiq Khan has gerrymandered all the information people have had enough. Now, all of this begs the question, do disruptive and destructive rebels get a pass if they have a cause that you agree with? And is that a bit hypocritical? Joining me for more on this to discuss a few topics as well, Thursday's Power Pack, political journalist Ava Santina, Talk TV international editor Isabel Oakshot, 
and Talk TV presenter Richard Tice. All three of you, good to have you in. I mean, uh, Ava, how have you found the characterisation of the Blade Runners? Do you think they're getting an easy ride? Well, it's just quite interesting, really, isn't it? Because it, this is Boris Johnson's policy, Euless, right? This was conceived by him when he was Mayor of London. And then in 2020, this was pushed by Tory government ministers. They told Sadiq Khan, you have to expand Euless, you have to do it. So he's done it. And now, for some reason, the Tories, probably owing to, you know, their inevitable electoral failure, have decided to make a culture war out of it. And they've ramped people up. And the language that has been used around Sadiq Khan and around Ulez is so disgusting. I can only understand why people are so angry and they're now ripping down cameras. But I just, I just think it's absolutely extraordinary that you would even conceive of comparing them to Just Stop Oil because it's so obvious. Yes, Just Stop Oil are fighting for climate change, right? They're peacefully protesting. They're doing things within the bounds of the law. And then you've got these people ripping down cameras <laughs> over a silly policy. It's £12.50 a day or change a car. Get but are it. they not, you know, they've all both got Causes. They're just at different ends of the spectrum. Richard, I'll get to you, head in the hands. But Isabel, I want to come to you, you first. You can't say Just Stop Oil are just peacefully protesting. I mean, incredibly disruptive and vandalised all over the shop. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's fair to say that they're actually angels and the whoever's vandalising these cameras is somehow... But at least um, they've got a, a cause. ...different example. Well, they've both got causes. I mean, you know, £12.50 a day may not be much to you, but you may no, not, you may not be moving a vehicle in and out of central London on which your business depends. And it may only be £12.50 to an individual, but people who have businesses that involve fleets of vehicles are finding they're going to have to pay an awful lot Richard, more. Richard, should they be locked up, the Blade Runners? Look, I don't think you should welcome vandalism. I'm astonished that Ian Duncan Smith, but I think, has said what he said. But it highlights just how significantly Sadiq Khan has completely misinterpreted the mood. And I've got latest data today. One in four of all the new cameras is believed to have been vandalised. So this is this is a level of, it's sort of low-level anarchy, and it's because Sadiq Khan's completely misjudged the mood. But more importantly than that, he's actually fiddled and fudged the data. So, that, I mean, the truth is, Imperial College have confirmed that it makes no difference whatsoever to uh, the air pollution in terms of the particular data, and in terms of the nitrogen dioxide, That's less true. than 3%. It's exactly true, true. No, because Shirley Rodriguez tried to change the wording of the Imperial College reports and they refused to do it. So but we're not listening to the experts anymore. But, you know, look, there's been a dramatic reduction what? in pollution. No, 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 I'm sorry. You talk about you disgusting language. That. that is a lie, Ava, and you cannot do it. And for you to say it's only 12 quid 50, nurses on night duty, it's 12 quid 50 on the way in, it's 12 quid 50 on the way. 25 mm -hmm. quid nurses trying to save lives okay. in the uh, NHS. The point about whether or not these people, the vandals, should be treated in the same way as Extinction Rebellion protesters, do you broadly agree with that? Actually, there's a massive difference. Why? What Extinction Rebellion have been doing is they've been damaging private property, including thousands of pounds worth of damage to the building that we're in, for example. And they don't have to pay. That's very different. Producers to... have brought up this tweet that you wrote about Extinction Rebellion. Uh, SOT, rather. Let's take a listen. Every single one should be jailed for 51 weeks, given a large fine, and this will stop within a fortnight. But it yeah, won't yeah. stop them. There, there's so many of them, Richard. There really are. Just jail them. Thousands. Just no, jail them. It, Let's build another but... detention centre, <laughs> stick them in jail. The country will celebrate. There's a fundamental difference, which is they were blocking the highway, which is prevented by law. And they, so the 51 weeks is the, it's the punishment sanctioned by law in the 1980s Highways Code.
But they're fiddling with the cameras and that could affect the signals, like that could affect a red light signal. What if there's an accident that is caused by one of these vigilantes that's pulling the camera off? You just made that you, up. There is more news to discuss today, including, of course, we've got a new Defence Secretary, Isabel. Uh, oh. Ben Wallace, after four years in the job, pretty well regarded, knew he was going to step down, did it today. We've got Grant Shapps instead. He's had four jobs. This is his fifth this year. Can he do it? Well, look, Grant is a really competent minister. He's very energetic. I like Grant Shapps, but I don't think that he was the right choice for Defence Secretary. I wrote a book on the state of the armed forces from a position of knowing nothing about the armed forces. It took me a good six to nine months to get a basic grip on how defence works. It is not something that you can just dip into and suddenly know what you're talking about. In reality, this is a very dangerous time geopolitically. We've got a war going on in Europe and the Conservatives probably have no more than a year, absolute maximum, in power. So it seems to me extraordinary to have appointed somebody who knows nothing about defence, has no background or relevant skill whatsoever for the defence job when Rishi Sunak had his pick of people who actually do know what they're talking about. Who would that have been in your mind? Well, I don't want to suggest particular people, but there are plenty of people with background in the armed forces who could have appointed, for example, James Heapy, uh, who has the relevant experience. Ava, anything to swing for the defence of Grant Shapps in your eyes? Uh, well, I think it's a tough <laughs> one, isn't it? You know, he's had five jobs in the last year, so I guess he's, he's qualified in, I don't know, moving, shape-shifting or something like that. But, you know, he also did have that half day in October last year when he was chairing the APPG on Ukraine and he actually visited Ukraine, <laughs> didn't he? Brilliant. So maybe he's got a, bit, yeah. a little bit more than the rest of them, but you poor, know. Poor Grant getting a bad looking at the moment, but it is it is the majority view at the moment, I'm afraid, that he's just about a cabinet reshuffle away. Look, uh, Richard, Mitch McConnell freezing again. This is in the US. Of course, Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell appearing to freeze during a press conference. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh. That's right. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? Yes. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. I mean, in broadcasting, dead air is a crime where you just allow seconds to pass. That's painful to listen to. Obviously, he's not broadcasting. He's 81 years old. He was asked whether he would run for re-election, and he just paused. I mean... It's the second time, I think, in about six or eight weeks that this has happened to him. You, you feel for him from a personal level, from a health point of view. Uh, it is extraordinary in American politics how people seem to go on and on and on to the point where that happens. We see some, you know, pretty... Uh, bad things happen with Joe Biden. You know, has he or hasn't he got dementia? It's so different to how things occur politically here. I mean, once you're sort of, I don't know, north of 65, let alone 70 here, the serious question in my heart, let alone in your 80s, and sadly, we're now seeing the consequences. I don't think you could set an age limit, but there has to be a... You don't. A health and competence limit. Oh. No, I'm not the ageist about it. No, uh, pilots can't fly beyond 60, operating heavy machinery that, you know, uh, has the lives of many in their hands. I mean, surely the government 
uh, classes many lives. Yeah, I mean, also, like, you can't, you have to get a new driving licence every year after 70, you know? I mean, how, if you can't drive without someone checking that you're okay to do it, that man clearly can't drive. I would not want him behind the wheel of a car. He shouldn't be in charge of legislation. And to me, it just sort of reads of toxic masculinity. Because what I don't understand is, what, why is this man holding this position, not giving it to someone younger? Why isn't he moving out the way? Yeah, why is he still there? Go on, Isabel. He stand down, couldn't he? He doesn't look toxic to me. You know, I, look, I think it's, it was horrible to watch. I don't like to watch. I just think you wonder what these people's families are saying. You know, why aren't the families saying, look, you're clearly not in any position to be in this job? It strikes me as a little bit negligent on the part of those who love him. And I will say on behalf of the uh, masculinity around us, Nancy Pelosi held onto her position and still holds for a long, long time, and she's certainly no spring chicken either. Uh, let's take a look, though, at something else, a little lighter, that we wanted to give you a look at. A beach towel that apparently looks like Elvis. Take a look. Can you see Elvis in this? A couple have been all shook up. This is in their holiday in Greece. They notice an uncanny resemblance to the king of rock and roll in the grey beach towel. Can you see it? Myra Hindley. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can't see that at all. No. OK, now I can just about see it. That's, yeah, that's that's lost on me. When they said Elvis on the beach tower, I thought you meant an actual, like, body double or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Elvis had appeared in... No. Yeah, I think it's a stretch. You know, we call this silly season in news uh, in August, where people are just scrabbling like around and finding things. Patterns on pieces things. of toast Patterns and things. Patterns toast. Yeah, yeah always like those stories. Pies, yep. clouds. Jesus and the bacon. We've seen it all. <laughs> Speaking. Speaking of which, do get your thinking hats on because we're going to get you back in about half an hour's time to ask you what your favourite news stories of the summer were. To wrap up this while we go back to school with Piers Morgan on Monday, we look forward to seeing you back here in the studio shortly. Mm. Well, uncensored next tonight as the Duke of Sussex picks yet another fight with the tabloids in his latest Netflix documentary. We'll debate who the public are backing in the ongoing battle of the Prince versus the Press. Now, the latest battle in the seemingly never-ending war between Prince Harry and the press is centred around this moment, at the moment, from his new Netflix documentary, Heart of Invictus. Three young British soldiers, all wrapped in plastic and their bodies in pieces. I saw what only people had talked about. That was the real trigger for I'm now seeing the real cost of war. Stepping foot off the plane, I was angry that this has happened to these guys. I was angry that the media weren't covering it. Well, in response to that accusation that the media weren't covering it at the time, The Sun published this front page today stating, quote, we did care, Harry, and we still do, citing its extensive support for the forces over the years. Now, the question, of course, is who the public backs in this latest skirmish between the prince and the press, or are we all just fed up with the fighting? Well, to debate this, I'm joined by the author and historian Tessa Dunlop, the former royal and former defence editor at The Sun, Duncan Larkham, plus the former head of royal protection, Di Davis. Three of you, thank you for joining me. Tess, I'll come to you first, because... Is there any part of you that can understand why the press, the British media, have got so up in arms about that one sentence in this Netflix documentary about the press not caring? I mean, the press needs tricks, they need oxygen, 
Um, it's so obvious why they've gone for that one line. I can understand why they've sort of, there's a lot of umbrage going on because it's true. Actually, for over 100 years, our tabloid press have been very good at campaigning, particularly for British soldiers. And the Help for Heroes campaign, that muscle, that, that tabloid muscle, I think shouldn't be underestimated. But at the same time, Harry's reality in that moment, and if you look back, because I did check back uh, to 2015, the time he's taken off, he's an angry young chap at the time because his story had been leaked in, in the American press, not fair enough, the British press. And so he is brought back to Britain and all the headlines in that moment, around that time, were about Harry, not about those critically injured soldiers in the same aeroplane. So it, there are two truths in this story. Let's bring in Duncan on that, responding to Tess's point then, that the focus at the time really was on Harry and not on the soldiers. Yes, it was. But in that plane was a guy called Ben McBean, who was a double amputee. That's one of the wounded soldiers Harry was talking about. And he worked with the Sun for years after that. Um, we, we paid him a lot of got involved with him and we, we helped um, draw attention to wounded soldiers. So Harry's just, it's uh, just once again a shot of the brain and basing it on lies, frankly. Yeah, I don't go on, Tessa. I think. Well, I just think lies to, to barrel accusation is is unhelpful. I think we can step back and say that was one line, Duncan, in a five-part series, which I think generally has seen people come in behind it. The consensus is this is an impressive series. Indeed, it's an important series at the moment. Let's bring in Di. Sorry, Duncan, I will come back to you, but Di, former head of Royal Protection. Uh, it's no sort of big surprise to anyone that Harry doesn't like the media. He's been waging legal complaints against them and, you know, a battle of his own against them. So does this come as any surprise to you? No, it doesn't come as any surprise. Uh, surprisingly, I agree with a great deal that Tessa Dunlop has said. Uh, sometimes I don't always agree, but on this occasion, I, I do. However, there is the truth, and then there's Harry truth. And I think that's been demonstrated many, many times now uh, over the last few years. He has his truth, and I've no doubt he believes it. But I think, uh, with great respect, he's been to the same school of advice as his uncle Andrew. In other words, not very good. And I, I think we should concentrate more on these injured people. He's getting all the publicity. We should really be concentrating on these amputees and these poor men and women who have suffered. They're the key things. And I think, Harry, with great respect, you should stand to one side and emphasise more the fact that you are helping them, but so are many, many others, including the press. Die. Have you watched The Heart and Vixers? I know it's five parts and you've probably got a busy life, but have you tuned into it at all? No, in fairness, I haven't. I've just heard all day and I've been commenting like you probably all day. I've just done a six and a half hour journey from North Wales down to here to speak to you guys. So, no, I haven't had a chance. I will, out of professional curiosity and the ability to speak honestly and sincerely. But uh, with great respect, let's concentrate on those men and women who have been injured. They suffered far more than Harry ever has, right, in my but, humble but opinion. Right, but Di, with great respect, the series in balance is 90% the injured veterans of war and about 10% the Duke of Sussex with a flash in the pan couple of moments, including the Duchess. I actually think 
what's impressive about the series is the balance. It's Harry Light, just enough of the magic royal fairy dust. And where the, the imbalance, if you like, has come in is the press coverage off the back of the series. Duncan, I want to bring you uh, back in on this because one of the points that The Sun has actually raised, um, which they're calling uh, one of Harry's lies on this, is that at the Millie's Award Ceremony in 2011, Harry attended, gave a keynote speech and thanks all of those involved in laying on the marvellous evening. This is a campaign backing Help for Heroes, which The Sun helped launch. Uh, is that the main point of contention here? I was there tonight and I was involved when I was defence editor in organising the entire event. For Harry to say that the plight of British soldiers wounded in Afghanistan was ignored by the press, I'm sorry, it's a, it's, it's not true. And when what, what do we do? We have to call out a print who is telling lie after lie after lie. Well, Tessa, what does that, uh, how does that impact public sympathies towards Harry? I totally understand that Duncan, as a former tabloid editor, feels passionate about the good that tabloids do, because often we talk about the bad they do, including Harry and that narrative, incidentally. However, to accuse him of telling lie after lie is over-egging the pudding. Yes, he said in that moment he felt the attention was on him. Why wasn't it on the maimed victims of war? But actually, his whole series is on the pity of war, and I think it's beautifully constructed, and it's not full of Harry lies. So lot, let's not pile on the inaccuracies and double down on them. Let's stand back and say that was one line, one emotive line from Harry. But otherwise, I think the series at this time, when there's a bit, a bit of a wobble going on behind the, the Ukraine campaign, it's a force for the good. Go, go on, let's let one lie go. That doesn't matter. The fact is, he uses his platform to distort and to get false account of what is the reality and we're getting the public again the Invictus get incredible thing Harry has done and he deserves a lot of credit for it but when he goes and tells lies yeah. tells lies about his family tells lies about the British soldier press it's not acceptable it's fake news Duncan, your um, line is slightly breaking up, so I didn't mean to break in you totally there. Hopefully it'll re-establish. I want to go to Di in the meantime and just ask that idea of the public sympathy side of this. Are they seeing more about the Invictus Games and the soldiers? This is rehabilitating Harry's image, this documentary, or is it a PR backfire? Well, I don't know, is the honest truth, because uh, I haven't seen it. So I, I will, as it were, stand judgment. But uh, reading some of the comments I have on various uh, social media... About 6,000 to 1 really don't support him, which is sad. Um, in respect to what uh, Tessa said, perhaps if he put 2 or 3% in about himself other than the 10%. But I do say he's a grown man now. He's 40. Yes, he's experienced things, but so have so many. And to keep harping on about it with great respect, I don't think he does himself justice. And indeed, I agree with Duncan that some of the things he has said uh, even about his brother on this occasion, as I understand it, uh, isn't true. He was supported and arguably has had more support than most people. You think about a squaddy that was brought up in a council estate and had two legs blown off and a thing. How much support other than from the help of the heroes and indeed the military? And I think it's decrying. I, I know a lot of military officers and men and, and, and they're absolutely horrified. 
so they tell me, uh, in the short period we've had, uh, about what he's coming out with. Well, all I they would say is, I've often heard Harry tell his story, and it's never elicited a tear. I've never cried for Harry. I was flying back yesterday from Romania, and I watched two episodes back to back, and the man said, are you all right, love? Tears pouring down my cheeks because the stories in that Heart of Invicta series are so moving. Nothing to do with Prince Harry. So I would beseech both you and Duncan to please watch it first and comment second and i think we found a replacement for stacy dooley or perhaps a partner for i mean he's quite brilliant he's very congenial he's very warm this is harry as best even the times newspaper said that i, I really beseech you to watch it duncan die that's your viewing for this evening sorted according to tessa well, dunlop Sorry, Duncan, your line isn't as clear as... He's watched it twice. You've watched it twice. How have you had time to watch a five-part series twice? That's Everett. I think somebody has gone there, but I always respect... I always respect what you say, and I certainly will take up the offer once I've had a cup of tea. You go, you go put the kettle on, Di. Duncan, Di and Tessa, thank you very much. Uncensored next tonight after Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy attempts to rap one of Eminem's biggest hits, the rapper issues a cease and desist letter to stop him. Should politicians be allowed to use music by musicians who hate them? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. show now one of the most unexpected rap battles in history is underway on the left perhaps in more ways than one that's eminem on the right you get the idea that's high-flying presidential hopeful vivek ramaswamy this unlikeliest of spats began when vivek went viral for rapping to eminem's lose yourself at the iowa state Everybody's joking now, the clock's run out, time's up, over, plow, snap back to reality, oh, there goes gravity, oh, there goes gravity, choke, he's so mad but he won't give up that easy, now, Eminem's lawyers, after that, issued an immediate cease and desist letter banning Ramaswamy from ever doing it again, at least in public. So, was Eminem right to protect the integrity of his work in this urban genre from appropriation by a wealthy politician, or has he lost himself? To debate all of it, I'm joined by Los Angeles, America's number one Eminem impersonator on YouTube, Vincent Marcus. MAGA rapper Forgiato Blow, he is in Florida for us, and Outkick host Tommy Laren, friend of the show, joining us from Nashville as ever. Um, I will come to you first, Forgiato. Uh, is the performance worth it? Was Vivek doing any good? I give him an 8 out of 10. Um, I think Eminem needs to go back to reality, though. The real Some Shady needs to stand up 
you know, he made his whole career on bashing white America, picking on people to get on. He is the face of hate speech when hate speech even started. I don't see any problem with Vic doing the song. I mean, does he have a problem with a man of color playing his music? No one in Detroit's ever played his music. He seems like he thinks his music is for drug dealers and drug users. White America bought his music, so this shouldn't be an issue. It's freedom of speech, I feel. Vincent, you're the number one Eminem impersonator. What did you make of the performance? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, nine out of ten. Because he really had the, you know, snap back to He had the, like, the Eminem goose honk, like the honk. Perfect, perfect, perfect <laughs> inflection on there. So uh, I really, really nice job there. Um, yeah, I think he did great. So why did Eminem not like it then? I think I th it's obviously politically motivated. I think because he was so anti-Trump vocally, very vocally, so much, in fact, the Secret Service came to him and questioned him about his lyrics and the validity of them. And so I think he just wants to stay out of politics. And he's like, ah, uh, maybe not. You know, I'm, I'm out. I think, he, I think he learned his lesson on that for a little bit. Well, let's remind ourselves of the number of musicians that have banned Donald Trump, a certain former president, from playing their music at his events. Adele, Aerosmith, The Beatles, Bruce Springsteen, Eddie Grant, Elton John. I mean, I could go Pavarotti, Nickelback, Farrell Williams, Phil Collins, Prince, Queen, R.E.M. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Tommy, what's all this about? Oh, I think it's obviously politically motivated, and I'm sure Eminem, uh, Slim Shady, doesn't want a Republican candidate singing to his song. But the real winner here is actually Vivek, because although he might have gotten that cease and desist letter, it really doesn't matter because we're talking about it. And that's what Vivek wants. He wants to create some kind of a controversy. He wants to get earned media airtime. And this story has continued to progress. So by Eminem's company, Slim Shady, by them sending the cease and desist letter, they've just really helped Vivek out, get him more airtime, get more press about the issue, and it's also cemented his underdog status, right, which people love. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've got a point, Tommy. We're talking about it right now here on a show from the UK. It's got our attention that much. Forgiato, coming to you, I mean, Ramaswamy, he's had a life of some privilege compared to Eminem. He went to Yale and Harvard. Forbes says he's worth $950 million. Is it cultural appropriation? I don't think it is because would Eminem be where he was at if he didn't have G-Unit or 50 Cent walking him in and Dr. Dre getting him where he was going? I mean, Eminem, yeah, he probably had to struggle just like everybody here. It wasn't easy for you to get your job. But, you know, I think Vivek's doing a good job. Like we're saying, he's getting his name out there. Obviously, I'm voting Trump, but I like Vivek. I think he's doing a good job on the campaign trails. And, you know, he did say he'll pardon Trump, so I like that. Okay. Vincent, uh, in terms of just politicians trying to seem cool, using rap music to try and get attention, like Tommy was saying, is it at all worth it? Do you think it helps them in the polls? I think so. I mean, it, it, I, I really enjoyed the performance, and I think that it, it definitely did help, or it will, because, again, like Tommy said, we're talking about it. So, again, I think, it, uh, I think it's a nice tool to, for politicians to use to sort of gain some traction um but yeah i think uh, I, I don't see again i don't see anything wrong with what he did but uh, again if you get a season to season to sift letter from eminem that's pretty gangster that's cool like that's cool in itself <laughs> so like eminem the biggest gangster of all time was just like you know what maybe you want to pull back a little bit by the maybe <laughs> maybe pull back <laughs> so that's just that's cool in itself uh, vincent have you ever met eminem has he ever uh, sent you a cease and desist letter <laughs> No, if I got one from him, I would say, oh, my gosh, I exist. I would love that. But no, uh, no he has not reached out. I have not met him yet. I would love to. Um, 
but no, not yet. Okay, all right. Well, maybe he'll watch this and maybe he'll get in touch with you and um, tell you what he makes of your impersonations. Look, Tommy, sure. politicians uh, kind of trying to seem cool. Let's look at this latest clip we've got of a certain Ted Cruz. They're trying to go after and regulate ceiling fans. I got to tell you, it's hot in Texas. We don't want to get rid of our ceiling fans. And now these idiots have come out and said, drink two beers a week. That's their guideline. Well, I got to tell you, if they want us to drink two beers a week, frankly, they can kiss my ass. No, okay. Um... Left the news anchor there, pretty, pretty speechless, Tommy. That is Ted Cruz getting some uh, chaps, some cowboys behind him to all crack open a brewski at the same time and to prove what a down-to-earth guy he is. Does this kind of shtick work? I think it actually is pretty authentic to Ted Cruz to speak that way. I mean, he's a Texan, so I think that it resonates. And as long as he's not drinking Bud Light, I think that the Republican Party is going to be okay with it, as we know, with the Bud Light controversy. So that's a sore spot for conservatives, be being that the Bud Light boycott is still ongoing. But I'll say this. It really depends on your audience, right? So he's a Texan. That's the way Texans talk. Vivek, he's a young guy rapping. Although when, when they try to play up to this hip, cool attitude around an audience of, like Iowa State Fairgoers. I'm not sure that it really resonates with that audience, but I think it's all about just being authentic. You know, if we've got Chris Christie up there rapping 50 Cent, I'm not sure that that's going to do well for him. So it depends on the time, the place, and the person. If you've got a natural swag, you can do it. And let's not forget that Donald Trump over the years has been in dozens of rap songs, so he's actually the OG of this. Before they hated him, they loved to rap about him. Well, how about Trump rapping? This latest clip that has appeared online, an AI-developed Trump rap track that's topping the charts. They trying to lock me up, but I'm plugged in in H-E-L. Got homies doing life in jail. They living in hell. These DAs acting silly. My mugshot is worth a billy. So some merchant made a milli. Shot McMillie out in Philly. Shot the baby. Shot the salsa. Benny Butcher. Then my rollers called me racist, but these rappers riding with me. Then my soldiers... Poor Giotto, is that, is that any good in your mind? Yeah, I think it was great. It's great for the culture. Any song that shots out Denny Johnson, I love it. Um, I was outside the jailhouse, and a lot of people aren't really showing the support, you know, Donald Trump's getting from the brown and black community. They were out there, so I think it was really cool. You know, there's a lot of people like myself out here doing a lot of things, so shout out High Res. I'm glad he got that spot. I hope he gets that number one spot for Donald Trump. And just uh, quickly, though, I mean, there's a lot of lyrics in there that obviously Trump hasn't said himself, but AI has created about shooting people. I mean, is that going to help his campaign? I didn't hear anything in there about shooting anybody, so I didn't hear that. But I think it just, you know, sometimes people just got to laugh and have fun, right? Everything's so serious. People weren't worried about Eminem when he was talking about robbing, killing, and shooting every gay person in America. Now they're supporting him. So, you know, I just think that Trump is great. Eminem, I like the song. Eminem not running for president, though. Obviously, Trump didn't create that song himself. It's AI-generated. Maybe I misheard the shooting thing. I'll take it back and listen again. But one thing we do want to listen to again, and this is with Vincent in mind, very carefully, let's once again listen to Vivek Ramaswamy rapping Eminem. Everybody's joking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. Over. Plow. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Choke. He's so mad, but he won't give up that. Now, uh, Vincent, America's Got Talent, that's what you were involved in. You're America's number one Eminem impersonator. How should he have done that better? Give us a go. Um, I Very close to it, but you got to hit that. Ah, you got to hit that. 
because he starts off with the whisper, right? But if he starts to get mad, he goes back to slam stage two. But then when he starts to get really pissed off, he starts to scream. It's lose yourself in the music the moment you want it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better. So that's that's how I would have Very good. Very, very good. You've got <laughs> <laughs> You've got us convinced too. Look, gentlemen, Forgiato, Vincent, thanks very much. Tommy, do stick around. We're going to keep you on for the end of the show. Talk a few more things newsy from the summer. It's been great talking to you all. Uncensored next tonight from a stricken submersible to a presidential mugshot with an unwanted kiss in between. The summer of 23 has not been a quiet one, but what will define it? We'll find out next. On Monday, the lord of this manor, Piers Morgan, is going to be back in charge after his summer break, refreshed, restored, recharged. He's had a good time. He's also done a bit of work this week. So, given it's my last show here, in for Piers, and the last one before the new term begins, we thought it'd be interesting to look back at some of the stories that have defined summer 2023 around the world. Here to present their own picks, political journalist Ava Santina. Talk TV international editor Isabel Oakshot and Talk TV presenter Richard Tice and Nashville Outkick host Tommy Lahren still with us as well. Look, all four of you, thanks for bearing with us on this one. It is the end of August. We thought it was worthy. Richard, start by telling us what you think the most important or the best story of the summer was. The most extraordinary story for me has been this barge. The Bibby Stockholm. It's almost as though we've like we feel as though we've stayed on it because it's been this sort of dead cat that the government threw out there as the solution to the hotel crisis for the uh, for the asylum seekers, and it's been just catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe. You know, was it uh, was it sort of certified in terms of its fire safety? Yes or no? Big questions over that. Uh, then actually, the, some of the first migrants actually arrived on board, and then someone says, "Oh, have we checked the water?" Does it work or is it, does it test it or not? Oh, no, it's not. So within three or four days, they're taken off. And you think, well, this has just gone from, from bad to worse. And now the Fire Brigade Union once again are saying actually uh, that it's, uh, it, it's not going to be safe, never will be safe for the number that they wanted. You sort of think that basically uh, this has just been a distraction. It'll mm. never be occupied. It's a bit like the Rwanda scheme. It'll never happen. It's, it's sort of red herring British farce, isn't it? it? Is. You know, you forgot the bit about one of the asylum seekers or their lawyers claiming that they're afraid of water, which is slightly unfortunate in terms of their choice of coming to Britain, you know, a country that is unfortunately for them an island and is constantly deluged by rain. You know, you just couldn't make this stuff up. It's just been lurching from one ridiculous situation to another, loads and loads of money wasted. It's so classically British. The Bibby Stockholm barge, that's Richard's choice. Let's go to Tommy now and ask you, Tommy, what was your story of the summer? Well, I don't know if it hits the same over in the UK, but I'll tell you, here in the United States of America, I think the biggest story of the summer revolves around kind of what I talked about in the last segment, and that is the absolute tanking, the funeral of the iconic American brand Bud Light after that disastrous partnership with the trans TikTok influencer Dylan Mulvaney. So this is a big deal in the United States, not just because of an iconic American brand really suffering huge losses, but also because this is one of the first times that 
that conservatives in the USA have led a boycott that's had sticking power. And it's not just Bud Light. Target sales dropping. We've had the explosion of popularity of songs like Try That in a Small Town by Jason Aldean and then Rich Men North of Richmond by Oliver Anthony Music. So we are actually taking a stand here. We are canceling cancel culture, but we're also taking a stand for some of our ideas, our rights, our ideologies, our convictions. It really hasn't been done a lot on the conservative side, but boy, we're just getting started over here. Well, Tommy, I've seen some conservative commentators states that actually say, ask uh, their fellow peers in the conservative community to stop talking about Dylan Mulvaney so much because you're just giving them airtime. What do you make of that? Well, Dylan Mulvaney is going to get airtime regardless. I mean, just got a Streamy Award earlier this week for breakout content creator. Dylan Mulvaney's not going anywhere. But I'll tell you this. There are going to be students studying the Bud Light marketing disaster for generations to come. I'll tell you that one. This is a lesson in marketing, or in this case, how not to market your brand to American consumers. So hopefully, lesson learned. Ava, I can see you having some reactions here in the studio. Tommy said it may be too American for British audience do you agree well no i mean it hit over here didn't it it was yeah. a huge story here but i mean I, I think also the cultural significance of bud light i mean particularly the sort of people who were out now it was kid rock who was particularly furious with it. i think he actually shot a, a, a can of it off the side of his property i mean perhaps that you know the south wasn't ready for um something as well i mean look i i think in britain as well i think we quite enjoy um the, what do you even say to this? I'm sorry, I just don't even think it's a problem, and I just think the whole blow-up of it is just a bit of the culture war, and quite sad, actually. And it's kind of no, like... but it's actually... It's, 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 no, it also, it's why consumer it power. That? I'll never buy Bud Light again. It's, well, it's, why you never... Yeah. You, you buy never drink yeah, Absolutely, no. I, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's a good drink. I like Bud Light. But I will consciously not buy it again. It's just the same as you way, don't go to Costa Just anymore. as I won't go to Costa anymore. No. And so, you know, that go woke, go broke. It's very clear, and they're going broke. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I wouldn't be caught dead with a Bud Light, but that's because I like an actual beer. But, you know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in with the swipes. Look, Isabel, let's give you your chance to tell us your story of the summer. So this is actually a much more serious and sad one, which is the Titanic uh, submarine story. I just think that this tale, journalistically and on a human interest level, was utterly gripping. You know, the whole world was watching as to the fate of these poor uh, people who went down there. And, of course, literally, they weren't poor. The reason they were in that sub in the first place is because they were able to afford incredibly expensive tickets to go down in this glorified tin can. And that was mm. part of the debate, wasn't it? People all thought, well, if I had that money, if I had $250,000, which I think was the price per ticket, would I have spent it in that way? Everybody could in some way relate to whether you would or wouldn't actually put yourself in that position. And the whole kind of hour by hour, is the oxygen running out? What is the way out for them? The rescue attempts, it was just... It was just awful. And one of those stories where every morning you'd wake up, and I think even some of us journalists wake up in the middle of the night, might have checked our phones mm. to see if there was any update. And so sad that it had such an awful ending. I think you summed it up well. It was a conflicting story, and that's why it pulled on so many heartstrings. I anchored a two-hour special we did here on Talk TV that evening about it and spoke to lots of friends of survivors, you know, of, of some of the men, rather, victims that went down. Uh, you know, and they were talking heartfelt, you know, heart-rending stories about the 
people that they were missing, you know, and that they were explorers and everything else. Yeah, and then afterwards, adventure and, you, you had know. the technical information yes. of what the man who this. was running the organisation Ocean Gate had led them into. And for many, when you actually drilled into it, it was an accident waiting to happen. It was a tragedy that people had forecast. So there's, there's a, there was a lot of information that came out afterwards, and I suspect more will come out. Mm. Uh, with the inquiries in due course. I mean, just... it will surely be made into a film. You oh, know, a bit uh, like the Thai boy, the boy stuck in the Thai cave, you know, that hour-by-hour, moment-by-moment, brilliant drama, but just a horrible, tragic ending. We even heard that night of the sort of uh, coverage of it from James Cameron himself, who, of course, directed Titanic and was sort of stunned by what was unfolding. Tommy, was the Titan submersible story such a big deal in the US as it was here? Oh, it absolutely was. I think it gripped the entire world, and few stories have the ability to do that and have that kind of reach. Obviously, a horrible tragedy and something that we all felt. And I think it's a moment we can all come together as well. There's been so many things dividing us all over the world, and so when we can come together and we can pray for people and we can think of people and we can cover a story and discuss a story, I think that's the silver lining all of it is it reminds us that we all have the same heart at the end of the day, so certainly a story of the summer. Ava, coming to you now, what is your story of the summer? It was Brian Johnson, this millionaire who wants to look like his son. And so he's getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning. He's eating his last meal by 11 a.m. He's stuffing 54 pills into himself during that time. He's sleeping for actually not very long, but he's injecting himself with all sorts. And um, apparently he looks... He looks younger, but to me, he looks about his age, which is around 45. I mean, I think that looks... quality of life. This is what I find so weird. You know, yeah. He's spending so much time trying to prolong his life. Where's the fun in his actual life? Well, yeah, totally. And you've got to... I mean, I wonder how the sun feels. I mean, would you like it if your, your mother was I think, trying to look I like think you? Freud would have a lot to say yes. about this, about the motivations behind why he's doing this, competing with his son as well. But, I mean, Richard, if you were given the opportunity... To make yourself twenty years younger in appearance, would you no, go to the world? <laughs> I like what you, you are? <laughs> no, no. I, I thought it sounded a miserable existence. Yeah. Everything was so regimented. I mean, yeah. you know, you even had to book a slot if you want to have sex or anything. The whole thing is <laughs> completely ridiculous. It, what's what's life's worth for enjoying and a bit of you know, spontaneous activity? Surely, Rosanna. <laughs> now, please. One would think so. Look, Tommy, uh, did you follow this story? And would you be tempted to make yourself? Yeah, I mean, look, you look gorgeous anyway. <laughs> Listen, I'm 31 years old, so if you took 20 years off of me, I don't think I could be on this program right now because I would be <laughs> still in elementary school. But hey, listen, I think another story of the summer is the wide use of Ozempic and semi-glutide mm, in Hollywood yeah. and around the world. I mean, that's kind of similar to this story, but that really blew up over the summer, and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, you're right there, Tommy. And you know what? Piers Morgan was also talking about Ozempic when he was over in L.A. a few weeks ago saying that he's not following the Ozempic diet. Tweeted a picture of a big steak in front of him. But he said everyone it seems to be on it over there. Now, my favourite story of the summer. I know you're going to know this one. It was great. It gripped all of us. This is the bear that was not a human in a bear suit in the Hangzhou Zoo in China. This sun bear that stood up waving. We, we've uh, sensitive to the lower half of the bear. I do enjoy that. Uh, from, the, from behind, he does look like a bit of a... I think it's a female bear, actually, but does look like a human in a bear suit. It got a lot of people talking. Was it really a bear? Was it a human? And from various angles, I could have been convinced on either side, but apparently it really is a sun bear. I mean, Isabel, were you convinced? 
Initially, when I first glanced saw it, I thought, that's ridiculous. That's definitely a person in a bear suit. But then I did a bit of research on what these bears look like, and that is what they look like. So, yeah, yeah it was a bear. Ava, they say that the uh, attendance at these zoos has gone up through the roof now. <laughs> Everyone wants to go see a sun bear. Would you go? I'm fascinated to know what was blurred. You know, what was, what was uh, taken off of the screen there. So maybe I will go and have a look, investigate myself. <laughs> but fantastic marketing, if that's the truth. If yeah. The, you know, if the numbers went up, brilliant. Let's take another look at it again. Would this convince you to go all the way to Hangzhou in China? You don't have to go to Hangzhou, in fact. You can go to other zoos as well. Lots of them piled in on this. I mean, it's a great-looking bear <laughs> as well. But the Chinese zoo did deny it was strange. I do sometimes wonder whether there is a little bit of kind of latent racism here with people assuming that the Chinese are just trying to hide something from all of us and that they really put a human in a bear suit. And they had to really prove here that this is what sun bears do actually look like. Look, thanks all four of you for joining us for that. Silly end of summer, peace before Piers returns to the show on Monday. Don't miss that. Thank you so much to my panel, Tommy, Ava, Isabel and Richard. That's it from me on Uncensored. It has been a pleasure sitting in for Piers. He's going to be back on Monday with those big guests, big views, big interviews. Whatever you're up to, make sure it's Uncensored and do vote from the NTAs as well. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.